Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and three things up for review this week. First up is Don't Worry Darling, which if you know, you know. And then there's The Woman King with Viola Davis. And finally, Dahmer Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story on Netflix. First up is Don't Worry Darling, and the film itself is an exploration of couples and relationship dynamics and societal dynamics and blah, 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 whatever, and and that dismissal of it should tell you how I feel about the film itself. I almost want to do, and I'm probably going to mini-do, two separate reviews. One is for the press tour and drama surrounding the release of this film, and the other is for the film itself. And if you didn't hear anything about the uh you know all the stuff and I'll go into that in a moment and you were just interested in seeing this movie you're like oh yeah that looks interesting because I enjoy the people involved either because you're a Harry Styles fan or you're a Florence Pugh fan or you're a Olivia whatever there's a ton of reasons theoretically to go see this movie I encourage you not to because it is a waste of your time I think there's some good concepts in the film that are poorly executed which is very disappointing to me because I actually really liked Booksmart which is Olivia Wilde's film debut as a director but this one things just fell apart and I also think I mean obviously a lot of it is attributed to her as the director and I think you know a lot of it is the writing and maybe it needed more passes because there's a core concept that I would have been okay with, but the execution of it was, it, it just didn't work for me and it fell apart in the pacing and the timing, whatever. And, and the, we'll talk about the performances in a moment. So if you were just, if you knew nothing about the film, just based on it being a film alone, I would say, no, this is a pass. And then I'm going to give a sub caveat and please don't come after me, Harry Styles fans. I don't think that many of you listen to this, but look, I get it. Harry Styles seems to be a charismatic human being There is nothing wrong, you know, no shade to him in that perspective. But there are some heavy lifting acting moments in this movie that he cannot pull off. And, you know, he's very talented, I'm told, in other departments. I'm I'm just not super familiar with his work. You know what? I am familiar with some of his music on the radio because that's how old I am that I sometimes still listen to the radio when I drive. But, you know, I, I am not a One Direction fan. I'm not a Harry Styles, like, aficionado. But I can acknowledge that he's clearly talented and appeals to a lot of people. But that does not make him a deep, serious actor. And that is what this role calls for. And I actually think there are maybe a couple other supporting roles in the film that he might have been better in. But then the sort of um, relationship nepotism comes into play. And you're like, well, obviously, this is why you were... I can see where it fell apart and why... You know, there are some of the the more lovey-dovey couple moments where I was like, oh, okay, you know, he seems fine. You know, maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And then the heavy lift came and I was like, oh. And by heavy lift, I mean like the, you know, dramatic stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, no, you should. It would have been much better to cast someone else. So then taking a step back, let's talk about the drama surrounding the film. And I think the reason that I enjoyed the drama so much is that at the end of the day, it's relatively harmless drama. Like I don't, ho- I hope nobody was physically or emotionally like traumatically hurt by this. Um, there's a, a Shia LaBeouf component that I just dis- am disappointed by because he- I don't think people should be working with him. But anyway, so the the too long didn't read version of this is that Florence Pugh. It sounds like allegedly did not agree with the Harry Styles casting you know uh, originally Shia LaBeouf had been cast in that role I don't know if I would have agreed to do that either just given apparent you know allegations of his onset behavior and also believe victims because many people have come forth to talk about his relationship behavior anyway so the fact that Olivia Wilde cast him in the first place is disappointing to me so then 
yeah, uh, you know, Shia drops out. Uh, there's a there's a whole side story about Olivia Wilde saying that uh, she got rid of him, and then he came with the receipts and was like, "No, you didn't. You, in fact, you tried to convince me to stay." So. Florence Pugh apparently disappointed by the whole Harry Styles performance or was distracted by Olivia Wilde and his relationship during the film. I don't know what it is. And then there's this whole thing about how she said, you know, uh, Florence Pugh was saying she didn't want people to focus on all the sex stuff in the film. And there is a fair amount of it and it plays into the relationship stuff. But it does feel like they're overindulgent with those moments. And, and, and you know, I don't have a problem with sex in the movie, but it, it needs to serve the story. And at a certain point, it just became repetitive and kind of boring. So Florence, uh, you know, wasn't loving how it was being promoted. Meanwhile, Olivia's like heavily leaning into all of that part of it. Also, I did not realize that Olivia Wilde was in the movie in addition to directing it. So when she came on screen, I was like, oh, you really had, you know, blinders on for the making of this film, which is such a bummer because, again, I think there was a world in which made the score. Anyway, so... Florence is uh, not loving how it's being promoted. In fact, she just sort of bows out of the promotion of it, except for when you are an actor and you sign on to a film, you are usually contractually obligated to promote it in some way. And so she goes to the Venice Film Festival. And then there's this, you know, like you can see the, uh, the rest of the cast, by the way. So it's Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, Olivia Wilde, Gemma Chan, Kiki Lane, and Chris Pine. And also Nick Kroll shows up, go figure, and then Kate Berlant. So you can see like Chris Pine and Gemma Chan just trying to physically form a barrier between Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde and then like Harry Styles and then Olivia and Harry aren't being lovey-dovey during even though it seems like well documented that they're in a relationship and it's just it's so absurd and so juvenile and again I think it was so delicious because hopefully nobody was really getting hurt in the long term and so that type of fluff and given how like depressing and challenging everything is now it was just a fun moment to to glom onto and then there's an entire day of internet exploration where there's this video where it looks like Harry Styles may have spat on Chris Pine as they're sitting down to like watch this premiere at the Venice Film Festival I don't think he actually spat but it is a funny timing like you know maybe his glasses dropped or whatever and and you know, the internet bless the internet this is when I do enjoy being on social media when they just run with this type of thing and it feels relatively harmless like I said there are people who probably take it too far but at the end of the day I just really enjoyed following the press tour and then as for as much as I enjoyed following the press tour, I was so disappointed by the film. And I didn't think the film was going to be great, but I literally was so amused by the press tour. And then like the equal level of not amused and bored by this film, I kept checking my watch and like five minutes would have passed. That felt like 30 minutes. The film feels kind of unoriginal. It drags. Florence Pugh, I give her a shout. Actually, so I will give Florence Pugh, Gemma Chan, Kiki Lane, and Chris Pine all shout outs. They are trying their damnedest. Florence Pugh, you know, uh, I do actually think gives a good performance in spite of the film. Chris Pine gives a charismatic performance, but he's spewing absolute gibberish, which again, I think is the, the writing. He's doing the job he was asked to do. Gemma Chan is beyond underutilized. So is Kiki Lane. <laughs> I think the casting of Nick Kroll in this movie is just so, like he's harmless, but it's, it's just like, why him? Okay. Yeah, so, you know, their performances, fine, whatever. But then Harry Styles, like I said, just cannot carry the emotional beats of this film. Olivia Wilde, for me, as someone who had followed all the nonsense, I was just like, well, how are you doing this with a straight face? And, like, I just, I can't with this. Kate Berlant, I really enjoy, but she's also starting to, like, she's been in a lot of stuff lately, which great for her, but playing the same roles over and over, and I'm starting to be like, okay, I need to see something else out of you. Anyway, so the plot 
I could not. I guessed a lot of it really early on, which may be a byproduct of me seeing as many movies as I do. But I also think just, uh, yep, nope, this is a this is a hard pass. You know, if it was easy to go back and read all the drama. In fact, I do recommend going back and reading all the drama. But the, the true joy of it was like the live updates that were coming out of Venice and watching, you know, uh, like Chris Pine and, and Gemma Chan, as I said, like sort of act like the children of divorced parents and trying to keep them apart. But they're all at a family event together and that type of thing. And then the spitting video stuff, all that, all that stuff was hilarious. This film is not, it's not supposed to be, but it's not even like so bad it's good. So... I cannot in good conscience recommend anybody see this film. I know there's a morbid curiosity to go see it. And that is why I went to go see it. Because I was like, well, I kind of have to see it now. And it just, it's, it's a waste of your time. I get the sense that people are going to ignore my suggestion on it. And that's totally fine. You know, you are probably adults. I hope are adults because it's technically rated R, but whatever. And you can make your own decisions. But I, it is against my recommendation if you go to see this movie. I'm going to give it a one out of five. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. Next up is The Woman King, which is based on the story of an actual unit of all-female warriors who existed in the kingdom of Dahomey in the 1800s. And one of the reasons, I mean, one of the reasons I was excited to see this movie is because Viola Davis looked badass as hell in all the trailers. And spoiler alert, she is badass as hell in this. But... As I saw the trailer and I was really excited about it, I was like, oh, let me read a little bit more about this. And then found out that the kingdom of Dahomey um, was known for being very fierce, but also engaging in the slave trade and basically giving the people that they conquered to Europeans to sell as slaves. And I was like, is this movie going to acknowledge that and talk about it? Because that's dark. And obviously it is super complicated and and about the colonizers. And, you know, it wasn't like they were like, oh, let's start a slave trade ourselves. They were effectively forced probably into it. But that being said, they still were participatory in it in their own way. The film does acknowledge it, and I, you know, I don't know how much sugarcoating it's doing in terms of their uh, uh, motives and all those things, but I still felt that it acknowledged it in a satisfying way that I could enjoy the film. So I was like, okay, phew, I'm so glad they talked about this. I mean, I'm glad, not glad, but like, we're not at least trying to sweep it under the rug. So Viola Davis plays the lady general of this troop of women. John Boyega is the king, and what a year John Boyega is having. Credit to him. And, you know, I think it's been great. They've been in the marketing, but I really want to give a shout out to Lashana Lynch, who is so wonderful in this movie. Like, I've always, not always, because that's, you know, I've been a fan of hers since I first saw her. But this film, I was like, wow, they're really underselling how much she's in it and what a, like, a joy of a character she's in and how good she is in it. She let teams in it through so Mbedu. And, and I don't know if this is the exact right analogy for it, but it did give me a little bit of Black Lady 300 vibes, which I absolutely loved. Like, it's just fun to see an action movie like this sometimes. And yes, there is a message to it, but also it is about battle. And the the fighting didn't feel boring to me because I feel like sometimes these action movies just get so bogged down in trying to create a spectacle and outdo themselves and effects 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 and I think one of the interesting or nice things about having it be set in the 1800s is that there are constraints right you're not going to have well one it's not a superhero movie but two you know you're not going to have as many guns and flashy things you're not going to have all these like big weapons in fact it, it spears v guns at certain points I thought the action was just the right amount I thought the story was interesting and compelling and it's you know I think I feel like we've seen 
parts of it before in various forms but it was nice to see the parts of it cobbled together in one cohesive thing instead of being like cool we get the story of one female warrior or we get the story of women who need to be rescued by someone or or whatever you know I feel like this was a celebratory and empowering film balled up all into one as opposed to being spread out over multiple movies which is fantastic Gina Prince-Bythewood directed it I've really been enjoying her action work of late you know I've enjoyed her other work but she's really just like carving this niche for herself as this kick-ass lady director she is a female director but also a director of female-led action films because of the old guard I also really enjoy that one kind of came out of nowhere for me so loving seeing what she's doing honestly give her a Marvel movie like that's what I want to see next out of her so The Woman King really enjoyed myself at it it's just like a good popcorn-y you know serious at times it's got humor and heart all that stuff I I, I mean 4.4 out of 5 for me and then the last thing I have this week is called Dahmer, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, which is the most cumbersome title possibly in the history of Netflix. Uh, not the complete history of Netflix, but it's a cumbersome title. I think partially because Dahmer is a tread upon uh, story that uh, many people have told and told time and time again. I have not actually watched a lot of the Jeffrey Dahmer stuff. And also, if you were not aware, Jeffrey Dahmer was a serial killer who uh, preyed upon usually younger, but sometimes, you know, their 30s, um, men and and then uh, ate them, which is very dark. Spoilers, but not on that. So this is a Ryan Murphy production for Netflix, part of his huge deal with them. Some of the Ryan Murphy stuff I really resonate with, some I do not. This one, I, for lack of a, not to be grotesque, but I ate up. Evan Peters stars as Jeffrey Dahmer, and Evan Peters is getting really, really good, or has always been really, really good at these creepy but watchable roles, and I think Ryan Murphy and the team of people surrounding Ryan Murphy, because Ryan Murphy didn't direct all these, like, know how to use Evan Peters, which I give them and him credit for that collaboration. I just find him really watchable in this stuff. And, you know, I think a lot of us are, uh, other people are more obsessed than I am, but, you know, serial killers are compelling for whatever horrifying reason. Like, we find them interesting. I want to give shout outs to some of the supporting cast in this. Richard Jenkins plays Lionel Dahmer, who's his father. And Richard Jenkins, what just, he's not underrated, but I feel like we don't appreciate him enough. Like, he plays always you know, a range of characters because he's being cast in a range of characters. But I feel like there's always something distinct about each of them. That's just not to be like, oh, okay, you know, he's this serial killer's dad. But I get how it's different from this other performance that he gave that might have been somebody else's dad. I, you know, credit where credit is due. Richard Jenkins, what a, what a treasure. Also, there is an absolutely unrecognizable Molly Ringwald in it. I, di- I did not realize it was Molly Ringwald. In fact, I saw the, the you know, credits of it and I was like, wait a minute like that Molly Ringwald and then also Niecy Nash plays Glenda Cleveland who was Jeffrey Dahmer's next door neighbor for a while and she just uh, you know gives such a great performance in this I I know her from her comedy stuff but her acting chops really show in this so I don't think I have to do a lot of convincing for folks if you were already interested in this you know you're gonna watch it I just sped through it super quickly it's 10 episodes it's on Netflix I will give a word of warning don't eat while watching it I made that mistake uh if you're vegetarian you might not be able to handle that you know if you're gross squeamish etc you know it's tough obviously the material that they're covering is tough but I think it's a compelling look at it you know I uh, I do appreciate and I'm I, I don't feel terrible spoiling this just because like it's a true story and I think we know how it ends 
I appreciate when something about a serial killer like this like doesn't try to make them redemptive necessarily and they're not trying to like gloss over their history or whatever it is you know it's just embracing like this is the character so I'll say I don't know if it's the best of these Ryan Murphy shows you know obviously he has his fingers in a lot of pies but I think in terms of his true crime ones American Crime Story the assassination of Gianni Versace is the most compelling of them but you know, at the same time, I, and I also acknowledge I don't watch American Horror Story because I get very scared by that type of thing. Uh, so I can't compare it to that. So I don't think it's as good as the assassination of Gianni Versace. But I think it's very watchable. You know, it, again, I blazed right through it. I'm not going to be like, if you're not interested in true crime and serial killers and stuff like that, I'm not going to say, yes, absolutely watch this. This is going to be what converts you. But I think that if you are into this already and you're looking for something, this will absolutely scratch that itch. So it is out streaming on Netflix now. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.